Welcome to Mastermind FM. Before we get started, here's a word from our sponsors, Plesk. Plesk is more than just a control panel granting you full flexibility to customize, manage, secure, host, automate, and control your web projects as well as any underlying infrastructure. We simplify the lives of web professionals and give you star features like one-click staging, cloning, syncing, plus automated mass management of multiple WordPress instances on your server and more. Have it your way. Find out more on Plus.com. A word from our sponsors, Freemius. If you create and sell WordPress plugins or themes, you know that only coding features is not enough. You're going to have to securely accept payments, manage subscriptions, handle software licensing, collect European VAT, software updates, and the list goes on. Freemius handles all of those aspects in your business for you. When you sign up to sell through Freemius, they treat you like a true partner because they will only earn money when you earn money, which naturally serves as an incentive for them to help increase your sales. I highly recommend you head over to freemius.com mastermind and get a full month of fees waived when you start selling your WordPress plugins and themes through Freemius. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Mastermind FM. This week we're going to be discussing SEO research and backlinks and we have someone who focuses completely on this area. His name is Joshua Hardwick from Ahrefs or Ahrefs. Joshua, first of all, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a topic that we've been getting into quite a lot recently and we had a previous podcast with uh, Michelle Hymans, who's uh, from Yoast SEO. So we've been getting into what SEO is and what we should be looking for, but today we're going to focus a bit more on the research side of things. So I know you're from Ahrefs, but we're going to try to focus as much on SEO reaches as a topic rather than just that particular tool. For those who don't know, Ahrefs is a tool set for um, backlinks and SEO research. So there's a number of tools within it, which you can use, which we'll mention throughout the show. To start off with, Joshua, what can you tell us a bit about, first of all, what you do at Ahrefs and how you got into SEO? Uh, Okay, so at Ahrefs, I'm the head of content, which basically just means that I'm in charge of the blog content. So I do a lot of blog writing. Uh, If you've ever read any of the articles on the Ahrefs blog, you'll probably have read at least some of them written by me. Uh, In terms of how I got into SEO, it's kind of, uh, I'm not sure if if it's a typical story or not, but like... I'd say eight or nine years ago now, I started off doing freelance writing for like really low-end clients, like $10, $20, that kind of thing. And people were asking for all kinds of crazy articles. And I just kind of thought, you know, why do these people want these articles? Long story short, it turned out that they're using them for like affiliate sites, things like that. Uh, so I started researching like, you know, why they're using these and started going down that path and learning more about SEO. And I guess it just kind of uh, spiraled from there. And I'm, you know, now writing for Ahrefs and kind of in charge of the blog content there. Cool. All right. And have you been sort of in touch with the Ahrefs team as they develop new tools and as they do their own research into new techniques and anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, you know, it's quite a small team at Ahrefs. Um, I visited, because they're based in Singapore, I visited Singapore uh, either last month or the month before and kind of met everyone for the first time. So it's quite a, a close-knit kind of team. So we kind of always stay in the loop about the stuff that we're planning and, and tours that we're kind of you know, updating or creating that kind of thing. So, yeah. Good. Okay. So you're a remote team, all of you? Uh, no, there's only actually, I think there's only two or three of us, maybe a few more that are remote. Uh, there's myself, I'm in the UK, and then there's Sam, our video guy, he's in Canada. So most of the developers and a lot of the other team members, they're based in uh, Singapore or the Ukraine. There's a Ukrainian office, and I think there's a, a San Francisco office too. So, yeah, there's only a few of us that are actually remote. I think it's mostly the marketing team that uh, have the kind of remote positions. <laughs> all right. Okay, so we all know what SEO is nowadays, but we'll go a bit over what the idea behind it is and what the SEO research is and why it's important. So can you give us a brief overview of basically what SEO is and what kind of SEO research we're talking about here? Uh, yeah, so 
Uh, from my uh, perspective, I guess SEO is is anything that enables you or helps you to rank in any kind of search engine. Obviously, Google's the the most obvious search engine that we all kind of use on a day to day basis, and that's what I guess ninety percent of SEO is all about. You know, ranking in Google, so that when someone types in something related to your business, you pop up there, they click through to your website, become familiar with your brand, and inevitably buy something from you from you in the end, and, and become a customer and all that kind of good stuff. But there's other search engines as well. You know, there's Bing and, and Yahoo, I guess, if anyone's still using that. And uh, obviously, YouTube's a search engine. So SEO, from my perspective, is anything, you know, ranking in all of these different places, anywhere that your customers might be looking for you. It's about doing certain actions that result in higher rankings. All right. I'm going to talk about, when we talk about SEO research. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what are the, the main aspects we're looking at there? I guess you're talking about researching topics to kind of write about or to blog about or to create content around. Is that is that what we're talking about with that one? Uh, no, more research into what we can do to improve our SEO. If someone is running a content-focused site or an e-commerce site, what are the main areas we should look at with regards to SEO research to be able to improve our website's ranking? Uh, okay, so I guess I guess the first thing to understand is just whatever your customers are actually searching for. You know, you can't create a content around topics and you can't optimize the site that you've already got unless you actually know what people are searching for and what you need to optimize for. So basically that, you know, traditionally that's classed as keyword research, I guess, which is just understanding the words or the phrases or the the queries that people are typing into Google or whatever search engine you're optimizing for so that you actually understand you know, what the majority of people are searching for. So, for example, if you've got a business, I don't know, that sells uh, headphones or something on the internet, then maybe people are searching for, you know, buy headphones or best headphones or, or queries like that. So the first step of, of, you know, researching this whole thing and, and figuring out what you need to do as a first step with SEO would be to understand what your customers are searching for. So there's a lot of tools on the market for doing that, you know, Ahrefs being one of them, various other keyword research tools that will tell you search volumes and, and where people are searching around the world and, and you know, how many clicks to the search results there are. Other techniques for doing kind of keyword research and for figuring out what people are actually searching for would be just to talk to your customers and just to understand your customers effectively and, and, and figure out what they might be, you know, typing into search engines and where you need to actually pop up, you know, what kind of queries you actually need to optimize for and create content around and, and inevitably rank for. So, yeah, I think this comes into play here because... It's not just about tools like Ahrefs. As you said, talking to customers is probably one of the most important parts. Something we've implemented recently, which I think gave us quite some interesting results as well, was that on our e-commerce sites or we sell our WordPress plugins, we put up a simple question. Basically, it's an acquisition survey asking where they found, they found out about our plugins. We give them a choice of six options, and it gives us an overview of where they're coming from and how much each source is is bringing in in terms of revenue. So how much those customers are spending depending on where they're coming from. So it's not just about using tools like your Ahrefs or SEMrush. Yeah. You need to go further and go deeper with your, with your own customers and your own audience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, you know, tools play a certain part in this kind of thing as they do with anything related to SEO, but there's no kind of better way to understand what your customers are actually searching for or what they want to see from your particular brand, for example, than to actually just ask them. The, I guess the issue is it's kind of difficult speaking to customers one-to-one for a lot of websites. But like you say, you know, you can install certain things on your website, run surveys. You can even look on forums and things like that and just look, you know, what are people actually asking in these forums and what questions do they tend to have and and what kind of trends can I see in that in, in those questions. And then you can create content around that kind of stuff because you know that a lot of people seem to be asking those things. And if they're all asking the same questions, you can bet that people are searching for those questions in Google and other search engines. So, yeah, like you say, there's a lot of different ways to kind of figure out this kind of stuff. And I guess talking to your customers, if, if that's a if that's something that's possible to do, then I'd always recommend doing that because that's where you're going to get your, your best insights, really. You know, there's no better source of information than the actual people that you want to reach, I guess. Yep. Now, obviously, that means that you're actually reaching out to people who have already found you. So we're trying to figure out now ways of how we're going to get the people who can't find us to actually see our site and click on it and visit our site. So the advantage of tools like Ahrefs is then is is volume. So the amount of volume of data that you guys would have that we can search through and we can analyze. So 
when it comes to, for example, figuring out how people are finding us or what type of content we should put out there for people to actually find our website, what kind of parts of, let's say it's focused on Ahrefs in this case, what kind of tools are there that we can use to be able to do that? Okay, so I guess if you're looking to figure out where your traffic is coming from at the moment, what you can do is just, if you just paste your site into Ahrefs and into Ahrefs Site Explorer, that is, you can basically see not only a rough estimation of kind of how much traffic you're getting from search engines, so from Google, but you can also go to like drill down into every single keyword that you're ranking for. So you can see where you rank for those keywords and and uh, also an estimation of how much traffic you're getting every single month from each one of those keywords. So one of the things that you can do that's kind of a quick win in my book with that is if you go into a report like that and you figure out where you're ranking for these keywords, say that you're ranking for, you know, sticking with the headphones example like before, if you're ranking for like buy headphones and you're in position five, well, if there's a decent search volume from that and you're getting traffic already from that keyword, it may be worth kind of optimizing that page and pushing that page. And if you can push yourself up just uh, two or three ranking positions, then you're probably going to get a lot more traffic from that. I guess in terms of uh, finding stuff that, you know, maybe you've not got content about already that might be another good source of traffic, uh, tra- target to traffic that your customers might be searching for, you can just kind of paste a competitor a competitor's website into Ahrefs, and you can do the exact same thing for them. So you can see all of the pages that they've got. You can see how much traffic go to each of those pages. Uh, you can see what kind of keywords they're ranking for with each of those pages. So if you see that, you know, a, a competitor, for example, maybe they've got a, you know, a really in-depth guide to the 10 or 20 best headphones that you can buy, and maybe that's getting 20,000 people visiting it every month, and you've got no content on your website about that, and you sell headphones. Well, maybe it's worth you know, replicating their strategy and creating some content around that same topic and, you know, attempting to outrank them essentially and get some traffic from that topic. And obviously, if you're pasting competitors into into those kind of tools and you're looking at what they're doing, then chances are that what they're doing, if they're getting traffic, if they're having more success with, with organic search than you, then chances are that you can learn a lot from them and that by replicating those strategies, you can just effectively piggyback off of uh, their research. All right. I watched a video actually this week it's from Rebecca Gill, and I posted in the in the show notes. It's just interesting because she she uses Ahrefs as the example. Yeah. And there's one point where she focused on SiteGround.com, which is a hosting company. Yeah. And the research that she did was that she found out that the majority, not the majority, but a lot of the traffic that they got was towards a section of their site on WordPress tutorials. It wasn't necessarily about hosting; it was tutorials in general. But it was bringing them a lot of traffic, which they could then from their site, convert into customers in some way or another. So it's not necessarily always going to be exactly what you thought, because this isn't something you would expect. You'd expect a hosting company to have the majority of the traffic focused around hosting, not something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, like you're saying, if you can, if you take a site like, for example, SiteGround, and you just paste it into Ahrefs, and you go to, uh, I think it's a top pages report in Site Explorer, it basically shows you the pages on their website which get the most traffic, like listed in order of traffic. So that's probably what you're saying that this person did, you know, because mm-hmm. it'll probably be one of the pages near the top of the list, and it's probably like responsible. I think it, I think it breaks it down by percentage as well. You can so you can see exactly what percentage of like the entire site's traffic go to a certain page. So you know, if you can do that for your competitors, and you see that they're getting like you know twenty percent of traffic to a certain page about a certain topic, then like you say, even if it, even if it's not directly related to what you do, it may be worth targeting that term and that topic and then converting that traffic, you know, bringing it into your funnel or whatever on your website and and kind of taking it from there and generating customers that way. You mentioned pasting competitors into a tool like Ahrefs and seeing what they're doing. But I heard something that caught my attention as well. I think it was in this video as well, where they mentioned that who you think your competitor is may not actually be your competitor online. So... Is there a way that we can figure out who our online competitors are without having to research them ourselves? Uh, yeah, that's kind of a good point, really, because obviously, you know, the people that are competing for the topics that you want to rank for might not be like real life competitors. And that's especially true when you're like a local business with a blog, because sometimes the other local businesses with a blog aren't in your particular area. They're just miles away, you know, in some other city. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of ways that I'd say you can do that. The first, if you're not using Ahrefs, would just be to type in, you know, some of the keywords that you want to rank for, some of the 
target topics. If you just type those into Google and see who's ranking, then you can figure out who the competitors are for a specific topic that you're trying to rank for. Another way to do it is in Ahrefs if you just type in, well, you just paste in a competitor's uh, either web page or their entire domain. If you paste in the entire domain, you can go to a report called the Competing Domains Report, which basically just shows you the websites that are competing for the most similar terms to you. So if you're trying to rank for, say, a thousand terms, then maybe it'll show you the other websites, the competitors that are trying to rank for a hundred or two hundred of those similar terms. So they're kind of your competitors online in the online space. Uh, and you can do the exact same thing as well in Ahrefs for like individual web pages. So you can just type, paste in a, a competitor's web page or one of your own web pages, uh, and you can see the other web pages that are competing with that across a lot of different keywords in organic search. So yeah, there's a couple of ways to find that out, I guess, with the with the easiest, you know, free way being to just type things into Google and see who's who's ranking there already and and who's your competitor, I guess, for a certain keyword. All right. Now obviously there are gonna be certain keywords which certain massive sites will rank for, which are gonna be practically impossible to compete with. Especially when we're we're talking about smaller sites or smaller companies. So is there something we can do, for example, focus, focusing on keywords which don't have much traffic or which there isn't much competition over? How do you find out which ones of those might be worthwhile to go to go into? The best way to do that, because I mean, it tends to be the case that it's the, you know, like you say, the big powerful sites that rank in the search engines or it's pages that have got a lot of backlinks pointing to the individual pages. So... In Ahrefs, if you found a keyword or you found a topic that you want to want to target, uh, if you're using something like Keywords Explorer, then you can filter like all of the keyword suggestions that are in there by uh, the keyword difficulty. So the lower the keyword, it's basically a score from one to uh, zero to a hundred rather. Mm-hmm. And the lower the score, the easier the keyword is in general. Anyway, generally speaking, to rank for uh, because that's based entirely on the amount of. Uh, referring domains and the amount of backlinks to the current top 10 ranking pages. So basically a low keyword difficulty score just means that the current top 10 ranking pages for that keyword don't really have many backlinks. So chances are they're going to be quite easy to uh, outrank. Uh, so yeah, so that's one way of doing it. Just filter by a low keyword difficulty score and that can uh, you know highlight some of the best, easiest opportunities. And I guess another way is just to find a competitor or a competing site that's within the same kind of ballpark area as you in terms of its like authority and its and its level of uh, brand awareness or so a similar competitor. So if you're like a, a smallish business, then just find another smallish business that does the same thing as you. And then you can just paste that into Ahrefs or any other similar tool and just see what keywords they're ranking for. And basically if they're ranking for them and they're not a huge site like say, I don't know, Forbes or TechCrunch or Mashable or whatever big sites are kind of uh, in your niche, then if, the, if they're ranking for keywords and they're, you know, a same, similar kind of uh, niche to you and they're, they're not a huge site, then chances are that you can rank for those keywords as well. You have to take into consideration the amount of search traffic there actually is, because it's not just that it's a, lo- a keyword with low competition. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you get enough traffic, then... Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, you know, there's plenty of kind of low difficulty keywords if you don't care about the search traffic, but obviously it doesn't really make that much sense to kind of uh, rank for keywords that no one's searching for because you're not going to get any traffic. So in any of these tools, at least within Ahrefs and, and most other kind of keyword research tools as well, you can filter by the search volume of the keywords. But one thing to be aware of with that, looking at search volumes, is that they can be misleading because a lot of pages rank for a lot of different keywords. I think we did a study like a while ago that said that we've, we've, we found effectively that the, the average number one ranking page, so if it ranks number one for a certain keyword, then it's going to rank uh, within the top 10, I believe it was, for roughly a thousand other keywords. So it's getting traffic from all of those different queries. So maybe the search volume for the main keyword, maybe it's best headphones or something, maybe the search volume for that keyword is 10,000 a month, for example. But maybe the page that ranks number one gets like 100,000 a month because it's pulling in traffic from all of these other keywords. So obviously, as a, as a starting point, filter, go and filter by search volume and make sure that these keywords that you're kind of considering at least have got some search volume. But then you also need to just quickly check how much traffic go into the top 10 ranking pages because sometimes you know they're getting a lot more traffic than the search volume of the keyword that you found. And, and basically, if you can rank for that keyword, you'll end up ranking for a lot of other keywords by default and getting tons of traffic 
from from you know all kinds of different queries. But again, you can do that in Keywords Explorer or or uh, Site Explorer in Ahrefs. You can just click the SERP uh, overview button, I think it is, and it shows you all of the top ten ranking pages. And it'll show you how much traffic's going to each of those pages from from organic search across all of the keywords that they ranked for. You mentioned something there, the actual traffic going towards those sites. So, although, because so, some people might stop a little early in their research and can be misleading in the sense that you can see that a particular keywords are getting high search traffic, but it doesn't mean it's getting that amount of clicks. Yeah. So I think you have to take into consideration the click rates over and above the actual search. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point because a lot of these... You know, these days, if, you know, obviously, if you're using Google on a on a even semi regular basis, you're kind of probably aware that Google's, you know, showing what we call featured snippets in the search results, which is basically those, you know, where you search for something and then the answer just appears in the search results. So you don't really need to click through to any of the results to get the answer to to the question that you're searching for. And obviously, that has quite an impact on click through rate within the search results. So if you're ranking for for I don't know a certain question. And the question appears as a featured snippet, then maybe you know people aren't even clicking through to any of the results, and even ranking number one doesn't result in any traffic. So that's something to be aware of. And obviously, the easiest way to figure that out is to actually Google the keyword that whatever you're targeting, just Google that keyword and have a look at the search results and have a look at what Google's showing in those search results. Obviously, there there will be the regular organic search results, but you know, have a look for things like the featured snippets or the uh, a lot of AdWords ads or the shopping results that sometimes Google shows any of those kind of things can can reduce the click through rate in the in the uh, search results. If you're using again a, a tool like Keywords Explorer, we actually show the click through rate within the uh, search results. So you know you look at any keyword in Keywords Explorer, and we show whether people are likely to click on the results or whether they're not likely to click on, on the results on a keyword-by-keyword keyword basis. So if you are thinking of targeting a keyword, if you just throw it into something like Keywords Explorer, you can get a sense of whether people are clicking mainly the organic results or the paid results and whether they're clicking any results at all or how many times they're clicking on average and that kind of thing. All right, that's interesting. When it comes to Google's um, suggested, suggested links, suggested pages, those kind of answers you mentioned, when it picks a particular site, is that based on sort of how powerful that particular site is? Is it something to do with SEO? Do you have any idea how Google decides on that? Uh, yeah, I, I think we actually did a study on that. I think it's a couple of years old now, so there might be slight changes to what I'm about to say. But I think that what we generally found, and I think what other studies have found as well, is that Google almost always chooses a web page and plucks the answer from a web page that already ranks naturally within the top 10 search results. So basically, if you're seeing one of those uh, featured snippets, so one of the answers within the within the search results, it's basically pulling that from a, from a page that already ranks within the top 10. So to even be the answer to, to become or to own the featured snippet, you've already, you've got to rank in the top 10 to start with. In terms of how Google picks which page to pull the information from. I guess it depends on a few different things. Obviously, the page has got to actually have the answer that, that Google deems to be correct for the search query. If the page doesn't contain that, then you can't pull it out of that page and display it in the search results. But I think it's, you know, the easier you can make your pages for Google to understand in terms of the layout, in terms of the, you know, actual HTML structure, that's going to help a lot because if you look at any of those answers, they're either a paragraph which is generally, if you're typing in a question, you're going to see like a paragraph of text, like a small paragraph of text. But a lot of them, if you're searching for recipes or or things like that, you'll see like lists within those featured snippets. So that usually comes from what I've seen anyway, at least, from having certain HTML markup on the page. So basically a list format on the page. If you've listed, you know, a recipe to make, you know, I don't know, an omelette, for example, if you've got a web page and you've listed those with, you know, the HTML list kind of syntax and it's a numbered list, then Google's going to be able to pluck out those recipe instructions quite easily, algorithmically and, and using their kind of software. And they're going to be able to display those a lot easier in the, in the search results. Whereas if you've kind of written these uh, instructions rather in paragraphs and they're like littered in there, then Google's going to have a much more difficult kind of time plucking those out. And obviously, 
the reason that you want want to own one of these feature snippets is because people generally click those and you get effectively double the the real estate on the on the search results. You've got the organic listing in there if you rank for a certain keyword and you own the feature snippets. So you kind of increase the chance of someone clicking on your website and they can increase traffic in some cases, even though they can also have kind of a detrimental effect on some websites, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, I've used some of those and actually clicked on them. And many times they're the simpler sites, let's call it that. They're the ones that aren't designed. That's quite nicely the ones that might not go into certain detail, but they happen to have that particular short answer Google needs. But not, not necessarily always the best thing, I guess, to be up there. You know, the idea with the feature snippets from Google's perspective, I guess, is ideally to give the answer to people without them having to click a search result. So, you know, it can be the case that you see, you know, maybe you're searching for an omelette recipe and there's, you know, the, the feature snippet with the five or six steps right there in the search results. But that doesn't really tell you fully how to how to do the process. It gives you a rough idea and the, and the rough steps. But uh, if you actually want to just go ahead and do that, then you probably need to check out the article and, you know, read a bit more about it and, and get the full kind of instructions or the full ingredients list or something like that. So it depends on the query. You know, if you're just searching for something like... Uh, I don't know how tall is uh, Donald Trump or something like that, then I guess, you know, you're never going to need to click through to a search result. You just want to know one piece of data. And if Google displays that there, then that's your search is done. You know, you don't need to click through to anything. So it's all, it's kind of query dependent. It depends what you're searching for and, and what, or what you're trying to rank for, whether it's worth targeting or trying to at least get that feature snippet and trying to uh, attract traffic that way. All right. I'd like to go back to something we mentioned a little earlier, uh, which is backlinks. Okay. So first of all, can you give us a brief explanation of what a backlink is? Uh, yeah, so a backlink, it's just uh, it's just a link from another website to your website. So if you've ever read an article anywhere, then you'll see like those blue kind of clickable links within there. So that's just a backlink. If that points to your website and it comes from a different website, then that's the definition of a backlink. And when it comes to do follow and no follow? Yeah, so the do follow, no follow thing, basically some sites they put like an invisible tag on the links that you don't actually see on the web page, but it just tells, you know, it's within the HTML markup and it tells Google and other search engines engines to no follow this, this link, which basically just means don't attribute any of the value that you might assign usually via this link to the place that the link goes to. So I guess it's quite a complicated, you know, like, uh, definition within that but basically a no follow link if, you, if you're building backlinks then you generally want to go for the for the so-called do follow links which are the ones that don't have this no follow tag applied so what's the reason someone might use a no follow link uh, well basically you know maybe um let me try and think of a good, good example so maybe you you were writing an article in fact i've got a good example because i did this kind of the other week so i was writing an article about wordpress seo I mentioned something in there that was like a bad example of doing a certain thing. And because it was a bad example, I didn't really want to link to it, but I had to link to it because I had to show the people reading the article, you know, I had to give them the source of that so that they could go and investigate that and have a look at it. So what I did is I just applied a no follow tag to that link, which basically meant basically just me saying to Google and other search engines, you know, I need to link to this because it's relevant to what I'm writing about. But the page is not any good. You know, you shouldn't attribute any any value to this link because I'm not linking to it for a positive reason. So the reason a lot of sites these days are no following links because they have trouble with user-generated content. So maybe they've got a forum where anyone can post a link. They'll apply a blanket no follow to all of those links just in the code of the website because they don't know what links people are going to post. And they could be linking to any kind of nonsense really so they just apply a blanket no follow and it's the same thing with these really big authoritative sites these days like forbes and uh, huffington post so they accept a lot of guest posts and obviously when you're doing things at that scale like they are and accepting probably like hundreds of guest posts every single week they struggle to kind of make sure that people aren't putting in links there for like seo purposes so they just apply the blanket no follow to all of those so that the people don't get the value and that it deters you know, those kind of people from, from pursuing those kind of avenues of link building, I guess. So it's, it's one of those things that has come into play basically from those days when anyone used to just get as many bank backlinks as they can from any site in order to get 
number one ranking on Google? Yeah, I think um, I think that Google originally introduced it. It's been around as a tag for quite a while now. I think it was 2005 that they actually created this tag. And I think the issue that they were trying to solve at that time was that people were leaving a lot of blog comments to build backlinks. So it was getting kind of really spammy because people would just use automated software and it would just basically go out, look for blogs, accepted comments and leave a really spammy comment so that when it got approved, the comment linked to their website. So at the time, there was no such thing as the no follow tag. So I believe that what happened is that Google created that tag uh, with the aim of solving that issue, solving this uh, backlink issue so that people could just apply these new follow tags to those links and that those people that were spamming all of these websites wouldn't get the value that they did before from those links. Uh, So now if you've got WordPress or anything like that, you'll see that all of the uh, comments are actually no followed by default. You don't need to do anything as soon as you install just the default WordPress kind of theme and all that kind of stuff. uh, They're all just no followed by default because it's just, you know, you don't want to follow those links really because they're not within your control. Uh, we actually mentioned a couple of uh, anti-spam plugins for comments in the last episode. We discussed uh, the WordPress plugins we're using, and we still face this issue ourselves. On WP Mayor, we still get many, many comments on a daily basis that are pure nonsense with a simple, simple backlink to something. Yeah. So it's still being done, even though they they should know it's not going to make a difference, or they're going to be spammed right away. But yeah, I mean, like you say, people still do it. You know, people still just <laughs> do it at ridiculous scale despite the fact that nearly all WordPress blogs have got these no-follow comments. But I guess that the idea that they've got is that, you know, maybe they spam 100 blogs and maybe one or two of them, you know, follow the comments and that kind of thing. So unfortunately, it still works, which is why people people uh, do it still. <laughs> yeah. All right. So backlinks. We've discussed how important backlinks are for your SEO. And obviously, I want as many authoritative sites to link back to you as much as possible. So how can you figure out which sites are currently linking back to you, which ones are not? And how could you, uh, what could you do to actually get a backlink from a site that has authority? Okay, so if you want to know who links to you at the moment, if you've got Google Search Console installed, or you use Google Search Console rather, they do show you a list of the websites, I believe, that link to you. From what I've seen from using it, I don't think they show you every single one of them, and I'm pretty sure they don't show you every single one of them, because if you use a tool like Ahrefs or any other kind of uh, link explorer tool, basically if you just paste your site into something like Ahrefs Site Explorer, then we show you not only all of the domains that are linked to you, but all of the or the actual backlinks, the pages they're from, the anchor text, the, whether they do follow or no follow, all that kind of stuff. So there's the free way of doing it to get a rough idea of who links to you would be to use something like Google Search Console because you know that would show you some of the sites that are linking to you. But yes, if you want a really like comprehensive view, there's only one way to find that out really, which is to use something like uh, HFSI Explorer or another similar tool like that. In terms of getting more backlinks, you know, there's a lot of different... Uh, tactics and methods out there. I think as I briefly mentioned earlier about guest posting. Uh, so you can do that still these days for backlinks. It's it's um, one of those techniques that's got a lot of uh, like controversy attached to it, I guess, because Google came out a few years ago and said they didn't like guest post links and all that kind of stuff. But as with any kind of link building technique, it's all about building quality links. So don't go for like 100 guest posts, just do one, one good one and get a link from a really reputable site. Um, but again, in terms of other ways to attract backlinks, you can use the same kind of technique as I kind of mentioned earlier with the keywords, which is to grab a competitor and just have a look who's linking to them. And if they don't link to you, then why don't they link to you? You know, if they're linking to a competitor but not your website, then there's probably a reason for them doing that. And also, if they're linking to a competitor, then chances are that you can possibly even pursue that link as well, you know. For example, maybe a competitor's got some guest posts, you know, did a guest post for a certain site. Maybe you can reach out to that site and also write a guest post for them. Or maybe, you know, a competing website is listed, you know, within an article where it's mentioning, say, some printing companies. Maybe you can also, if you're a printing company, you can reach out and just, you know, suggest that maybe they should include you as well. So there's a lot of different ways, I guess, of uh, building these backlinks. I guess that the underlying thing that runs through all of the techniques is that you need to offer something of value like the link 
needs to be valuable to whoever you're asking or want to link to it. There needs to be value to the visitor. So for example, just going with what I said before, if, if there's like a page that lists some printing companies, then that page is there to kind of refer people to good companies, I guess anyway. So if you're a good company and you offer printing services, for example, then it's valuable to their visitors to be listed on that page. Uh, so that's the reason that they should list you there. And that's the reason that you can present to them when you like reach out to them and maybe say, you know, hey, can you link to me on this page or can you add me to this page or something like that? All right. Yeah, we've seen this with ourselves. I mean, I guess you have to be careful of who you reach out to as well, because we've had people reach out to us to put links in our in certain articles that we have. First of all, haven't been updated in years in some cases, and in other cases where the content they're suggesting we link to is either brand new or from a site that has no authority. So I think it's better to start out small and focusing on a smaller website to get a backlink from and then building up over time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing is, when a lot of people are doing this outreach thing, there's quite a lot of nuance, I guess, to that process. And it's, you know, like you're saying, people reach out to you and they want you to update update an article or add a link to an article that you've not touched for, say, five or six years. And the chances of you actually going back in and doing that are slim to none, basically, because why would you do it? There's no benefit to you when doing that. There's no real value. So like you say, you know, you've got to be careful who you reach out to and you've got to be careful not only what you asked for, but how you asked for it. You know, again, like I'm saying, the, the kind of underlying rule is that you need to, if you're asking someone to link to you, there needs to be a value for them as well, not just you. You know, if someone reaches out to you, like I'm saying, and saying, says, can you update an article and add my link to this old article on your website, then it's just not going to happen because it, it just doesn't make sense. But um, I guess, like you're saying, reach out to sites that you're likely to get a link from or that are likely to, to actually respond and all that kind of stuff. Because if you're reaching out to uh, Forbes and just saying, you know, can you put a link here, then it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned earlier, I think, figuring out what the popular content on certain sites are. So when it comes to competitor research, what can we do to figure out what the most popular content is around certain keywords or phrases? So there's a few ways that you can do that, I guess. First of all, you could paste any competitor into a tool like Ahrefs Site Explorer, and you can go to the top pages report. So that will show you which are getting the most traffic. I think I mentioned that briefly earlier. Uh, there's also a report in there, in that same tool, uh, which is called the Best Buy Links Report. So that will show you the content on whichever website you paste in there, and it will show you which pieces of which web pages on that web page, on that website have the most backlinks. So that's a good way to understand, you know, what people link into, what kind of topics do people link to and and uh, what's popular in terms of in terms of links at least. There's also a tool again in Ahrefs called Content Explorer which is probably my favorite tool in there because it's just ridiculously like powerful if you know how to use it. So you can basically it's like a mini search engine. So if you just type in uh, a keyword, maybe you type in WordPress, it basically searches a billion-ish web pages. Uh, for any mentions of WordPress, so anything related to WordPress. And then you can go ahead and you can use all the filters that are within that tool. So you can filter for you know, web pages that have got maybe 10,000 people visiting them every month from organic search or filter for uh, web pages that have been shared X amount of times on Facebook and that kind of thing, or filter for web pages that have got a certain amount of backlinks. So basically, you can just paste any topic into there and find the most popular content that exists on the web about that topic. And then obviously you can learn stuff from that. You can figure out, as I say, what are people interested in? What are people uh, searching for? What what gets a lot of traffic? What topics get a lot of traffic? And what topics attract a lot of backlinks? And what topics get shared a lot on social media? Yeah, you mentioned something there, social media. Yep. How important is social media nowadays to SEO? Um, I guess I don't exactly have anything to back this up in terms of... Uh, like cold hard facts, but I think it's generally considered that it's not incredibly important these days. So for example, I guess we're talking here about things like social shares, yeah. shares on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, all that kind of stuff. I think that if you were to study it, you'd see a small correlation between those things. And I, I'm pretty sure that Google kind of looks at some of those things to understand at least what's popular. But I don't think it's particularly 
important in terms of a direct ranking factor. Um, the way that I would say that it is important is obviously that social media is just a way of getting your content out to people. So if a lot of people are sharing, like I see some things some of the time on, on Pinterest, for, for example, that have like 20,000 repins or some ridiculous number of repins. So obviously, if there's a piece of content on any social network, whether it's Pinterest or Facebook or Twitter, and it's it goes viral or it gets really popular and gets shared a lot, then what happens there is that a lot more people see your content. And if a lot more people see your content, that increases the chance of people linking to it. It increases the chances, again, of people sharing it further. So you'll see that what happens with really popular pieces of content is they do tend to attract more backlinks. And obviously they have a direct ranking effect. Uh, so basically, you know, social media, from my perspective, the value that it has to SEO is getting your content in front of more people and getting it in front of your customers, people who may then link to it or share it with other people or comment on it or, you know, all of this kind of good stuff that has a direct effect on rankings. Yep. So it doesn't need to be a part of Google's algorithm for it to be that's important for you? Uh, no, not necessarily, because like I say, you know, it's just a uh, medium to which to deliver content to the people that you want to see it in the same sense that that maybe an email marketing list. You know, if you've got an email marketing list of like 100,000 people and you can blast a new blog post out to those people, well, they're going to share it. Some people are probably going to link to it. They might post it on a forum, all of these kind of things, which do kind of end up having an effect indirectly on rankings and SEO. Do you see social media being a part of something like Google's algorithm going forward? I don't really think so. I mean, they kind of played around with that uh, in the past with the whole uh, Google Plus thing, which I'm pretty sure has failed miserably at this kind of stage. So I think they shut it down, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I think the idea with that originally was to kind of get a sense of uh, the stuff that people were sharing. And I think that at one point it may have actually been proven to be a slight uh, ranking factor. Not that I really want to <laughs> be quoted on that, so I may be wrong. But, um, but yeah, that's obviously closed down now. So I think that they've, obviously with, with Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, they can be manipulated quite easily. You know, you can go on Fiverr or some other rubbish website like that and you can pay $5 yeah, to get, you know, a thousand fake social shares from these kind of share farms. And it doesn't really mean anything. So I think the more something can be manipulated and the easier and cheaper it is to be manipulated, the less chance there is of it being a ranking factor because it's not reliable as a ranking factor. So that's the case with, say, uh, blog comments and things like that, as I was talking about earlier. If you can download an application for, say, $30 or something like that, and you can spam you know, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of blogs in a day just from a standard kind of laptop, and you can get backlinks by doing that, well, they're not going to be worth very much because anyone can do that. So it's easy to manipulate. So Google, in theory, should be factoring that into account. And obviously, they've done that in a sense with the comments with the no follow tag because you know that's the easiest solution that they came up with for that one. But with social media especially, it's easy to manipulate these social signals, as people call them. So I wouldn't read too much into that as a ranking factor. And nowadays with tools like Ahrefs, it doesn't take much to figure out what your competitors are doing or what you need to link rank for. There's no point in trying to go down that route if you're going to find tools like this. No, well, I mean, the thing that you kind of have to remember, I guess, about SEO is, you know, if it was as easy as clicking a button or spending $5 and ranking, then everyone would be doing that. And if everyone was doing that, then there's only one person that can rank number one. So it's the person that makes the most effort and that, that kind of uh, you know pursues legitimate kind of things that ends up eventually kind of taking the top spot, I think. So yeah, like you say, you know, you can use these tools like Ahrefs and plenty of other tools to kind of understand what your competitors are doing. And you can even kind of, to an extent, reverse engineer what the top ranking pages are doing and replicate some of that on your site. So for example, if they're, you know, if they've got a lot of backlinks, then you know that you're going to need a lot of backlinks to beat them. Because if they've got 200 backlinks to their site and they're all really good, then you're not going to outrank them with just one backlink or it's extremely unlikely anyway. And obviously there's other factors to take into account, but yeah. All right. And when it comes to Ahrefs, are there any other tools, any other techniques that we can use uh, that might not be obvious to someone who's trying to use software for the first time? 
Um, I think there's like so many different ways you can kind of do stuff in uh, in Ahrefs, particularly that you know I'm kind of playing around with it all day, every day. So I'm pretty much kind of just coming up, you know, buying new stuff all the time. I think one of the most overlooked things from my perspective would be looking at the search result, like the current top ten ranking pages, to try and understand what we call search intent. So basically, a lot of people. You know, they want to rank for a keyword. Maybe they've found a keyword. It's got decent search volume. They know that people are searching for it. They know that it's related to their business. And they'll try and rank a page for that keyword that doesn't necessarily belong in the search results. And that no matter how much effort they put into doing that, it's pretty unlikely that it's ever going to rank. So just give an example of what I mean. If you search for something like, I don't know, best protein powder or something like that, then chances are that what people are looking for that are actually searching for that in Google. They want a list of the best protein powders. They want a, a non-biased list of maybe like the 10 or 20 best protein powders. And if you Google that, that's exactly what you'll see. You'll see these blog posts that list protein powders. What you won't see, I don't think, especially for that term, is a product page from a company that sells protein powders. So, you know, what I'm getting at there is if you sell protein powder, for example, you may think it's a good idea to try and target a term like best protein powder because you might be thinking, you know, well, I'm selling the best protein powder. I should rank there. But the search intent, the intent behind that search is that people want reviews. They want options. They want to learn about the best ones. They don't just want one option. They don't just want a company there. So you're never going to rank. And obviously, within Ahrefs, if you're using something like Keywords Explorer or you found a keyword within uh, any of the Ahrefs tools, there's basically a little button that you can click, shows you the top 10 ranking pages, so you can see just at a glance what they all are, you can see how many backlinks they've got, how much traffic they've got, and you can basically, because it's just there in like a you know small window, you can see trends in what's actually ranking. And there's also, within Keywords Explorer, I think this one is, there's like graphs which shows you how the current top 10 ranking pages have changed over time. So you can see, for example if a page is dropping out of the top 10 ranking pages or whether it's quite stable over a long period of time. So if there's a certain web page that ranks for a certain keyword and it's been ranking for that keyword for you know two years and it's not moved to one or two positions either way, then you can be pretty certain that whatever that page offers, you know, it fulfills search intent perfectly because Google's keeping it ranking there. So there's probably a lot of learn from those kind of pages. You know, you can look at them and see, you know, what are they actually writing about? What's the kind of page is it? Is it a product page? Is it a blog post? Is it an interactive tool? And you can learn what kind of content you might want to create in order to have a chance, at least, of ranking for a certain keyword or for a certain topic. You can also see if you can get the backlink from a page like that then as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Within there, you can look at the backlinks that those pages have. And if you just click through, you can see exactly like a list of all of those backlinks. Um, for each of those pages and again you can learn a lot from that because you can kind of look at you know who's linked to that tool or that web page or that product page and can i also get a link from those people will it make sense for me to do that all right so apart from a tool like ahrefs and we're saying any other tool which is similar to it but are there any others that can be used together with a tool like ahrefs i guess the one of the things we mentioned Google Search Console earlier. Yeah, we? so so there's a lot of tools from uh, from Google that you can use, like for example, Search Console, uh, Analytics, which is useful for just figuring out, you know, on your own site who's which pages are getting the most traffic and where's that traffic coming from, and understanding if any of the SEO efforts that you're actually making are actually paying off in some sense. There's also Google Trends, so you can pop a keyword into that and you can see uh, whether the interest in that topic and that keyword is increasing or declining over time uh, and you can also compare one keyword to another in that tool which i don't think any other tool i've never seen any other tool that does that and obviously this data comes straight from google which is kind of uh, unique i guess so maybe you want to know if one topic maybe you found two keywords in a tool like hrefs and you're thinking you know they both got a similar search volume which one should i target if you paste them both into google trends then you can kind of see Maybe, you know, people are getting more and more interested in one of those topics and they're getting less and less interested in the other over time. So it makes sense to go for the keyword or at least prioritize a keyword that is uh, likely to increase in, in search volume and demand over time. Now, I guess the other tool, like the other tool that I'd say that is really underutilized by most people, I guess, is just Google itself. There's a lot 
that you can do within Doodle itself just to figure things out. So, for example, there's a lot of advanced search operators that you can use, which basically just means that you type these, you know, certain queries into into Doodle itself along with certain keywords, and you can maybe find guest post opportunities or resource pages that you might just get links from, or you can limit results to a certain site and see what they're doing. I think that's one of the most powerful tools, at least in, from my point of view, apart from Ahrefs. I think Google also has, I read about this once and I, I never properly used it. When you actually enter a search term, you can put it in inverted commas or in certain, you add certain characters, it changes the way it searches. Whether it's for a particular phrase, exact phrase, whether it's for something along those lines. Yeah, there's a, like I say, there's a lot of uh, those kind of search operators is, is kind of what people generally refer to them as. There's just so much you can do in Doodle. Like, you know, you think of it, obviously, as just a search engine for using every single day to find whatever you're looking for. But there's a lot of power to that tool from an SEO SEO point of view as well for figuring things out. There's a post actually on the HRS blog. Like, I wrote a massive post about that a while ago with, like, I think there's, like, 40-something different operators that you can use. And I go into, like, the various ways you can use them. And obviously, that's free to do. You can just paste them into Doodle. The other thing in Doodle that I just kind of was thinking just then is obviously, you know, you search for something and sometimes you'll see those kind of people also ask boxes. Mm-hmm. So you'll search for maybe, I don't know, a certain question and then, you know, two or three results into the search results, you'll see like people also ask this, people also ask that. And you can kind of understand from that, you know, what people are also, ask, also asking, I guess. And obviously that might make sense to target with another blog post or, or with, a, you know, something else on your site. Uh, again, you can also scroll down to the bottom of the search results if you're searching for something. And then there's the same similar kind of thing where it says people also ask. And then there's basically the search queries that people that have searched for this also type into Doodle. So that can give you a lot of insight into you know what people are searching for. And it's a good way to find uh, keywords. I think there's a few tools that actually like scrape those things from Doodle like automatically. I can't kind of quite think of anything, just what they're called. But if you just Doodle like... Google auto suggest Draper or something like that, then you'll find the tools that can kind of pluck out those queries from Google just easily anyway. All right. So we're almost an hour in. So we'll start wrapping up a little bit here. So before we close off, are there any SEO resources apart from the Ahrefs blog as well as your YouTube channel? Are there any resources which people should look at to learn more about what we've discussed today? Well, We've also got the uh, what's called the Ahrefs Academy, which is basically there's a few videos in there and a few like courses in there where people can learn. Um, apart from that, I'd say that one of the best resources again that a lot of people overlook just because you know perhaps it's maybe a little bit boring, but um, is Doodle's documentation that they have. So obviously they've got stuff like a guide to SEO, like a beginner's guide to SEO, I believe. I was reading something earlier when I was writing the post, the image SEO post that I mentioned a bit ago. I was reading some of the documentation that they've got on that earlier, and they go into extreme depth about exactly what to do in terms of image SEO. There's basically no other, you know, you can learn everything you need to if you want from that resource. And Google's got a lot of stuff like this. You know, they answer a lot of questions that other SEOs have got rather so, yeah, I think that's not uh, an overlooked thing that Google actually kind of tells you exactly what they want from web pages, plain English, and a lot of people don't ever look at that. But obviously, like I'm saying, it's a little bit intense, some of it, because they just, it's a bit uh, long-winded. But, yeah, and obviously, there's the Google patents as well. If you really want to go to the to the extreme with the learning and you're willing to spend some time kind of digging deep into stuff, Google has got a lot of patents that basically tell you what, what kind of uh, methods they've come up with for uh, ranking search results or what ideas they've got or what are parts of the algorithm, basically patents that they filed for for uh, ranking kind of uh, things. So, yeah. That's going to get a little in-depth then for those who actually want to go that far. Yeah, the patents, I mean, like unless you're really like hardcore, I wouldn't go in ahead and look at the patents. But the, the documentation that I mentioned before, the like doodle guides and Google guide to like SEO and basic SEO guides and stuff like that. Like I'd recommend reading those if you're if you're new to SEO because I mean you're trying to rank in Google and Google's telling you exactly what to do, so it makes sense to kind of pay attention to that. All right. Since we've mentioned Google's documentation, is that what a company like you, like yourselves at Ahrefs use in order to keep up with 
the constantly evolving algorithms that they have? Well, this is another thing that I realized earlier, actually. Just um, like I said, for some reason today, I've just been like looking through one of these particular pieces of documentation. And, you know, it's, there was something in there that it said about image SEO. I can't remember what it was now. And I just thought, I wonder how long they've given that piece of advice for. So I like used that uh, Wayback Machine tool. And I figured out that this page, this piece of documentation that Google had about image SEO, it hadn't changed since. Well, I, don't, I can't remember. I don't think it had ever changed. I think basically they put it up in 2013. And basically it said the same thing in the exact same words then as it does now. So the thing is, you know, a lot of people kind of get bogged down with the algorithm changes. But what Google has been saying for people to do has remained quite stable for quite a long period of time. It's just that what happens is effectively Google is an algorithm and any algorithm has holes. So people tend to want to have shortcuts to where they exploit those holes to rank fast or, you know, for competitive terms. And what what inevitably happens with all of those things eventually is Google effectively just patches those holes up. You know, it realizes that people are using a certain tactic. Uh, they found their little hole in the algorithm. They just kind of plug the hole up and then people move on to the next tactic. But what Google has been saying to do has remained pretty consistent over time. You know, it's create something of value. It's tell people that you've got that thing of value, you know, and if they like it, if it truly is valuable, they'll link to it. All that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, like I say, I'd, I'd recommend having at least a a dig into the the, the documentation that Google's got because it, it's good stuff actually. Just a final thing: How often should one actually look into, first of all, what Google is actually doing and whether they're making changes in their algorithm, and even what we've discussed earlier? So the actual SEO research: How often should that be done for the same piece of content or the same particular website? I guess with with the algorithm updates, particularly, it depends on what kind of person you are. If if you're kind of, you know, are doing certain things and you want to keep on top of whether Google's, you know, catching up with those things, then I'd stay on top of the algorithm updates. But if you're just creating good content and you're and you're putting it out there, uh, you know, I don't pay that much attention to the algorithm updates because they never affect any of the sites that I work on now or that I've worked with in the past because they usually go after the people that are spamming. So in terms of the, you know, how often do you need to do, say, keyword research and all that kind of stuff, I guess, you know, if you found a keyword and, you, and you're trying to rank for that keyword, then you don't really need to repeat that process for that particular keyword and, or that particular topic. But it might be a case of, you know, you do a bit of research, you find a bunch of keywords that you want to rank for or that maybe you want to write blog, blog posts about, and within the tor- over the course of six months or so, you write those blog posts and you stop ranking for those keywords. You know, maybe you want to then do a bit more research and find some more keywords to rank for. Or maybe you didn't rank for something that you wanted to rank for and you're trying to understand why. You know, maybe it makes sense to delve a little bit deeper into what the other pages that are rank number one are doing or how fast they're attracting backlinks and all that kind of stuff. So I guess uh, the kind of long-winded answer is that it depends on on the circumstance. But for most people, you know, you can do a bit of keyword research uh, in an hour or two, and you can come up with topic ideas that are going to last months, if not a year or two, if that if that's really what you want to do. And you don't really need to do any more research, at least from a keyword topic or perspective after that. All right. Sounds good. Uh, we're over an hour in now, so we'll close off a little bit. Is there anything you wanted to mention that's happening at Ahrefs or that you're working on right now? Not particularly, I don't think. I mean, I'm always kind of uh, basically working on new blog posts 24-7. So, you know, I guess apart from the Doodle uh, resources that I kind of mentioned a moment ago, you know, we've got a lot of good stuff at the Ahrefs blog that I'm constantly writing and that I'm kind of quite proud of. So I'd say, you know, if you've not read any of that, go and check that out. Uh, the same with the videos that Sam does. You know, they're brilliant if you prefer videos. Yeah, so I guess there's not really anything else that I particularly want to uh, force people into uh, checking out. But, um, All right. but you know, if you if you want to try any of these tools, then there's a seven-day trial on there that's like $7. So you can do a lot in that time, basically. Very good. So we'll link to, to all those. I can definitely say that the blog content is quality content for those who want to go read it. The videos are also pretty interesting. They're actually kept fun rather than made boring because you would think SEO might be a bit boring in terms of research. <laughs> but I was yeah. glad to see that it's not the case. So yeah, thanks for being with us, Joshua. 
Yeah, no worries. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, we'll speak soon. Yep, see you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mastermind FM. If you found this episode helpful, please reach out to us on Twitter at MastermindFM or leave a good review on iTunes. Every tweet we receive is a sign of encouragement for us to continue producing this content, while iTunes reviews are what enable us to reach more people online by giving more visibility to our podcast. Close up, I'd like to say a big thank you once again to our sponsors, who are Plesk, who can be found at plesk.com, and Freemius from freemius.com. I encourage you to take a look at the websites and learn more about their services. That's all for now, and we'll see you next time.